All right, everyone. This is our first episode of the Home Hero Podcast. We have myself, Mike Townsend here, and I'm with uh, two great guys. We have Steve Richmond, who's the co-host of the show, as well as Kyle Dowlin, who we're going to be talking to today. So Kyle, we'll keep this mostly around you, your background, and then we'll dive into some interesting aspects in the healthcare space. Uh, why don't you give us a quick background on where you came from, what interesting projects you work on in the past, so people get a general sense. Yeah, happy to. Uh, so let's see, started my career out uh, in healthcare venture at uh, Cambia Health Solutions. Um, some may know Cambia as the parent company to the region's Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, health plans up in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Utah. I was a part of their uh, venture arm at the start, got my feet wet in the world of healthcare, and just kind of dove right in. From there, started working a lot with our senior services and caregiver support solutions investment thesis, and kind of jumped around. Uh, and, and went to Generator Ventures to focus on aging um, and help spin up a venture fund uh, for Aging 2.0. Everything I've done has been around consumerism and healthcare, how we think about a person uh, going through the system, and then went to, uh, to Castlight Health, where I focused on transparency and consumerism of healthcare services. And now I find myself working day-to-day on new and innovative projects as it relates to, to innovation in healthcare. Awesome. That's really exciting. I think uh, you know we'll get a, a, a vast array of different listeners, uh, so we can really take the conversation anywhere that we want to. Uh, one interesting topic that we discussed pre-show uh, is around the idea of venture, especially startups are always interested, as they should be, around what investors are looking for on the venture side uh, as it related to healthcare, what interesting companies are coming down the road, and, and maybe some interesting opportunities or segments of the healthcare industry to dive into. Do any stand out as from your experience and seeing and working with so many really great companies as areas that are, are leading innovation or you see a lot of interesting companies coming out of? Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting to look at how healthcare has evolved over the last 10 years. Um, you know, it's a continually evolving industry, but especially over the last 10 years, we've really we, we've thought about the three main categories of players being providers, the payer, um, and the patient. And over the last decade, we've introduced a new player into this uh, into this world, the consumer. Um, and so really what we've seen is as people go through the system, uh, they are starting to access care in new and different ways. They're starting to pay for care in new and different ways. Um, so really there's a great opportunity here to understand the changes in the ecosystem and how opportunity comes of that. What stands out is one company you've seen that you met at an early stage and you thought they were sort of semi-interesting and they really just took off, proved their value in the market and really had great success. Any particular use cases or companies that stand out? Yeah, you know, I think one really interesting company that uh, jumped in back in 2008 was Castlight Health. You know, full disclosure, I did work there for a bit of time. But they did do a, you know, they, they did a great job of identifying an opportunity in the marketplace that was unmet um, and how people access care uh, and providing information around that care. So they've, you know, they've, they, they've raised over $100 million. They went public. Um, they're still in growth mode. But uh, they've identified the need. They brought together data analytics. They brought together disparate data sets. Um, in order to combine them and create a consumeristic experience for the, the end user. So what was what was it about them that was their magic sauce? Was it the technology, the engineers on staff that they used to, to build a product? Was it their um, sales channel? They had a, just a solid uh, proposal that they were going in? Or, you know, what, what do you think kind of stood out as the, the thing that they focused on that led them to be successful? 
You know, I think it was their ability to really just continue to persevere. Uh, in healthcare, nothing moves quickly. You've experienced that. You know, the management there identified, you know, they were going to forward-thinking employers in order to get data that they could then run their analytics on. Payers had shut them down completely at the onset, and so they figured out another way to get the data they needed. They went to large self-funded employers. Really what it takes to be successful in healthcare is going down multiple avenues and figuring out where you can get your foot in the door in order to get where you ultimately would like to be. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great perspective. You know, one thing I think about often is that it's very it's very hard. Uh, you know, and hard carries multiple dimensions to it. But you know, it's complex. Like you said, the industry doesn't move quick or respond all that op- with open arms to innovative companies. But I think there's also a degree of uh, founders and entrepreneurs generally tend to have expertise in their field and. People who work in healthcare uh, generally are in there for you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty plus years, their whole career. They don't tend to be founder type people, uh, so it's it's rare that I see. Um, you know, from my experience, we jumped into to home care really with not much home care experience initially. So seeing people or seeing just founders develop that uh, knowledge base that you need to really be successful is rare. And I think that you know it's kind of a a circulating door where there's not enough founders coming in with expertise because the industry doesn't move quick enough. And it's just interesting to observe that. Uh, do you see a, a sort, of, sort of a target uh, demographic of founders that are unique in healthcare and successful? You know, do you, do you usually see the younger guys that learn on the fly or you see the industry executives that use their experience and contacts as yeah. uh, their initial start? Yeah, you know, I'd say it takes a, a healthy mix of both. Healthcare is interesting in the way that you have to understand how it works and the basics of the entities in order to figure out where the problem areas are. Looking in from outside, you know, it's it's usually difficult to find where the opportunities for innovation lie. But at the same time, you need someone to come in and identify those opportunities. So it takes a little bit of a, a mixture of, of bringing someone in and respecting the way the world is and why it is this way, but also not being afraid to break some glass and try something new and bring other industry innovations into healthcare. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, I, I think especially with healthcare being such a complex mass, I mean, it's so large that it's it's very often difficult, I think, for people to find opportunities in the dense forest of healthcare. Are there are there segments to it you think that are more appealing for people? Say say you're a founder and you want to get into healthcare and develop an expertise and and eventually build a startup. Uh, would you lead people to one direction and say you know this area is really where people aren't paying attention to, um, and you think there's going to be innovation whether due to regulatory issues down the down the line or a lack of attention in the space? Yeah, it's interesting. I I would I would always say look at your background and somehow it's applicable to healthcare. So if you have a specialty in payments, look at ways in which you can help find efficiencies in the way the third-party payer system works or looking forward as to how, you know, a consumer is going to pay for care. If you have an expertise in cooking, nutrition, nutrition's a big need in the system. You know, institutionalizing how we actually care for people via nutritional uh, benefits. The other opportunity is data analytics, really focusing in on you know the new currency of the world, which is going to be understanding all of these data points that we continue to collect. Um, every device in the home, every touch point someone has, um, you know this the movement of wearables, uh, understanding your your motion and, and how you interact with the world. 
is increasingly going to be important. And right now we have a lot of data collection, but really actionable big data is what's next and what's hot. It's really going to be interesting to see how we use the data in the future. Yeah, I fully agree. You know, I was at the um, uh, D-Summit healthcare conference in New York uh, earlier this year, and, you know, hearing people speak about the same sort of topics, I, I couldn't help but think, do we learn from other countries? And seeing other industry or other countries run their healthcare, you know, it kind of surprised me to the lack of sort of research that goes into it. And maybe it does happen, and it just wasn't apparent to the people I spoke with. Uh, but they were executives at, at major healthcare companies. And to see the U.S. sort of so much, so so less efficient as to uh, compared to other countries. Do, do you feel like that's an opportunity, or do you see um, companies doing research into understanding the structure of how other countries do it? And and w- when I asked this question, what was interesting is the response I got was the people answered honestly and said, you know, I think America has this culture of we want to do it ourselves, build it our own way, and there was almost this desire for ignorance. It was really uh, interesting to observe. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, no, I think, you know, there are definitely opportunities for us to uh, replicate best practices in other, from other countries. But at the same time, we're so unique in the way that our system has worked that we really have to go back to the drawing board to copy, and uh, to really replicate what's going on in other countries. Um, you know, I think there is a varying degree of research that is done based on different entities. Um, some are much more forward thinking in how do we, you know, take the best and the brightest of what's worked in other countries and bring them into to the United States. And others, you know, are, are okay with the status quo and figuring it ourselves. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's a good point. You know, you really can't just uh, learn one thing about one other country and then pull that in. Maybe you can, but it's the real value is if you were to start from scratch and <laughs> build your own country and start from scratch, uh, you know, that's, I think, the, the point where you get the most value out of that. Um yeah, it's an interesting question to think. What would we do if we could start for yeah, could start you know. fresh? You know, there's, there is some some really interesting innovation going on with you know new startups like Oscar and Clover Health as they try to reimagine and rethink the way in which payers operate. So, what are, tell us tell us a little bit about that. So, what are they doing that's particularly unique? So, they're really focusing on the end uh, consumer and and really leveraging data and engagement to help better uh, to help decrease costs and provide better care and access to the network. Um, it's really, you know, I'm not an expert in either of them, so I don't want to speak for them, but you know, really interesting stuff. Um, and I, you know, I, I'd say we should, you, you should bring one of them on the next show and, and chat with them. They're, they're great guys. Yeah, it's a good point. It would be interesting to hear their perspective on things. Um, you know, one other question here, and then we can kind of leave it open or wrap up, but I'm always interested to know, uh, what do you think you believe that very few other people believe about healthcare? What's, what's one, uh, sort of thought or stance you carry that you think most other people don't quite agree with you on? Huh? That's a you know that's a really great. Don't mean question. to put you on the spot with that one, uh, but the one thing that I believe that that others don't is, you know, I think you you'll get a different sense of 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 answers to you know how much technology do we need in healthcare, and I think my belief is not all technology is good. Healthcare is an inherently a services based business, and I question if we'll ever be able to remove all services from the from healthcare, and so. You know, I think when I see some innovation coming through that's really focused on we are going to remove the physician, we're going to remove this, 
we're going to remove that. I get somewhat concerned, and I really think it's around extension and enabling uh, efficiencies in the ecosystem versus trying to break it completely. You know, I think that's that's what I believe. I know a lot of people will believe differently, but I think there is an, an important uh, reason to all. There's an important reason that services have been, you know, key in healthcare, and it's because it's a very person-centric services-based business, in my opinion. So, I guess that would be the one thing I believe that maybe not everyone does. Do you think you would expand that belief to stay contiguous if you roll out, say, a hundred years or so, when? Uh, uh, you know, stem cell research and the ability to do some pretty remarkable technical things uh, to people sort of exist. You know, we sort of are on the fringe of, of these conversations now with, um, you know, life expectancy. There's a lot of money and research going into, you know, can we can we crack the, the code for aging and, and, you know, is a potential to live for 150, 200 plus years or people talk about forever. And um, I think those are interesting questions to to figure out before we get there, I wonder deep down the road if those if your thoughts are still the same, assuming we have all the future technologies in place. There will always be a component, a human component, because we're dealing with humans. Even if we have the best technology, we might you know start automating some surgeries. We might be able to you know replicate organs. We'll be able to cure many diseases. But I'm not sure we'll get that. We'll be there in a hundred years and. I'm not sure we'll ever be able to remove the core of you need to talk to someone in order to you know continue to stay healthy. You need to work on your nutrition. You need to have a, a gym trainer. I guess the question becomes, what does the economy look like if we fully remove uh, every single person from the you know how healthcare works? And well, you- arguably, you know, you'd say they're they're they're. Yeah, they they spend their time on other things. You know, it's almost like uh, sort of every um, economic improvement leads people to theoretically have freer time, but then they go and spend them on, uh, you know, the next thing. It's it's interesting. I actually would debate with an old friend around this idea, and he'd say, you know, um, sort of the classic argument is that people were hunters, so their kids could be farmers, and they were farmers, so their kids could be you know, uh, accountants and they were accountants. So their kids could be lawyers and they were lawyers. And eventually you get to, uh, the, the sort of pinnacle is just art and human creation for, for no necessary need. Um, but just the, the pure humanistic aspect of it, which, you know, it's a, it's a deep conversation, but it is interesting to give some thought to if, especially if some of these, you know, projects that people are putting serious dollars towards are successful, you know, what do you do when you're 150, 200 years old, um, and you look like you're 35, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, that, that really requires a whole new health system. Yeah. And it, what's interesting is, you know, it comes back down to if that becomes this, the way of, of life, we have to have radically changed the way in which care is provided and paid for. And, you know, this drives a big question of costs in our system. And it's, you know, people living longer and incurring more Healthcare costs is what's really driving this renewed focus on uh, decreasing costs in our system and providing efficiencies and providing better care. We need to get it right the first time. We can't. We can't have people going back. We can't have readmissions. We can't have people going back for a second time to have a similar procedure done. You know, we need to be streamlined and provide better care at the right time at the right place. We need people operating at the top of their license. 
So true. You know, I, I think almost the fault of the system is, is, is actually just the fault of the system, is that because it's a capitalistic society, uh, healthcare doesn't fit in well. It doesn't fit half and half. You know, you can't have a federally funded healthcare system and then have individual companies incentivized to maximize that because they're going to take as much federal dollars as they can. And when consumers feel no downside, you know, there's no incentive financially to stay healthy. There's no incentive to not get the extra surgery or the, you know, 10,000 times more expensive operation. And so I think, you know, as we sort of look at from top down from the healthcare industry in the U.S., it's sort of overtly capitalistic um, and invertly socialist, right? You, or you have, uh, you know, we don't like to admit it, but as we go down this road, um, which is, you know, it's not necessarily, I'm not taking a stance that is better or worse, it just is what it is, uh, that the, the, essentially the incentives have to be aligned. And when you have individuals who are incentivized to help their fellow peers, be it on the street, you know, you pick someone up or you incentivize someone to, you know, work out a little bit more because you know that their downside, if they get extremely unhealthy and have to get surgery, um, that it's covered by everyone. It's, uh, you know, I think part of the struggle I, I deal with is that uh, society split where we don't have real a real culture of caring for each other, but the system is moving in that direction. So I think it'd be interesting to see over the course of our lifetimes if we if the culture of people change. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think there's one other, you know, to answer your question on something maybe I believe that others don't, and, you know, this is a conservative view, but it's health insurance started out as a mechanism to prevent, or to, excuse me, to cover catastrophic care and catastrophic care costs. Um, you know, we've seen the system kind of create and become something much more broad than catastrophic care coverage um, and focusing on preventive care. You know, I think there are ways you can look at it where that was great. There are ways you can look at it where, you know, when you think about car insurance, you don't have, you know, your car insurance paying for your oil changes. You don't have them paying for new tires. You don't have them paying for windshield wiper blades. But in healthcare, we do. We have, you know, we've become accustomed to not paying for anything, and it being this shielded idea that it's all taken care of, and it operates behind a, a operates behind the curtain, and you know, we might pay a ten dollar copay. Those days are gone, and we're gonna have to really fund it, fundamentally think how we change it, and help help keep the everyone going. But you know, we gotta, you know, it might be going back to really thinking about insurance as being catastrophic coverage and everything else. You're on your own for. Speaking on insurance, um, a few years ago I was doing a story about uh, whether or not the Affordable Care Act was a benefit or or a uh, catastrophe for the healthcare system, and I was interviewing, interviewing a uh, health insurance salesman, and he was saying that the costs were were continuously going up, not so much because of you know new technologies or innovations in the field, but that there was a a kind of like a flood of like tort law that was going on in the healthcare system that people were uh, filing a lot of suits related to, you know, malpractice or various things of that nature. So yeah. what do you think is really kind of driving up the, the prices of healthcare? Because it it's going up uh, every year. It's slowed down how quickly it's increasing over the past couple of years, but it's still increasing continuously. So what do you think is really driving that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you're talking about is the you know the defensive practice of medicine, which could you know which 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 causes duplication and you know overutilization of care in order to appease and make and, you know it, appease the the patient and make sure that the the physician isn't going to be sued. Um, you know, I think there's we have to we have to fundamentally change you know 
our litigate or litigious society um, before we're going to solve that. But you know, we need to. You know, we can focus on policy changes that will help protect physicians. You know, but I don't. I don't think there's a, an easy answer to how we fix that. It's you know, it is a cost driver, um, and you know, we need to start focusing on the overutilization of unnecessary care in order to reduce costs in our system. Yeah, I feel yeah. like there's a, a much more of a focus on like patient outcomes and like the treatments they receive because yeah. it's there, there's kind of a discrepancy I feel between how willing healthcare institutions are to adopt new technology. You see them pour millions of dollars into things like you know new equipment, new procedures, and things like that, additional testing, but it doesn't seem as though they focus as strongly on uh, the patient experience. Like they don't really. Um, you don't see as much effort going into making it more comfortable or or more streamlined from the people receiving care. They just want to make sure that you know they're healthy and they don't come back. So why why really is there that discrepancy there? Is it because people kind of enter healthcare involuntarily, or is there another reason to that? You know, I think there's you know, healthcare isn't thought of historically has not been thought of as a consumer uh, decision. What's interesting is if you look at healthcare, you know, think about plastic surgery, dermatology, you know, things that are slightly more elective and can be accessed in a consumer way, you know, dentistry, those actually have much more positive experiences. They really focus on hospitality in order to differentiate the marketplace. Um, you know, primary care, hospital, ambulatory outpatient centers, things of that nature are more emergent and you have less choices and they haven't necessarily, you know, needed to compete on the basis of hospitality, on the basis of experience. As we continue to see, you know, individuals have more first dollar coverage and, and they are actually on the hook for paying, you know, a thousand to two thousand dollar deductible, I think we'll see that change. And um, we'll see it change for the positive because hospitals are gonna start having to fight for, you know, well providers are gonna start having to fight for for patients in a much more consumeristic way. Hmm. Yeah, that's fully agree with that. Uh, you really great perspective, perspectives, Kyle. You know, uh, last question here, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, unrelated to home care. So last few days in December here in 2015, heading in 2016, I have to ask, what's your New Year's resolution? Oh, it's the same as every year. You know, I'm gonna go to the gym. Oh, you're, you're <laughs> one of those guys. Go to the gym and, you know. For two weeks. Maybe that's where I'll actually use my gym membership. I, 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 you know, it's, I like to think that I stay slim just by having the membership, but it turns out I actually go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there has been studies to, uh, to show. I, I know. Think I, I am a member of one of those studies, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Kyle, this has been great. I really enjoyed this. Uh, Stephen and I here in headquarters uh, really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to, uh, to working look together forward further. To you guys, so, thanks so much. Really enjoyed again. it.